we are in this transformation and you have digital, AI, blockchain, all these cool technologies. We don't use any of them. Shit, we can barely find our stuff. We can barely use OCR technology and find our documents. So how do we transform that? You have to build data sets. You have to build data people to use the data. You have to acquire more customers in a cheaper way, right? Welcome back, Housing News listeners. This is Alsana Lloyd, and I'm the producer of this weekly podcast, which is a proud member of the Industry Syndicate. You just heard a word from Bill Dallas, the president of Finance of America Mortgage. In today's episode, Housing Wire editor-in-chief Sarah Wheeler interviews Dallas about what he's learned as a leader and an investor, as well as how mortgage companies can combat margin compression. Thank you for listening, and here's episode 13 of season 6 of the Housing News Podcast. Welcome, everyone. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at Housing Wire, with the latest episode of our Housing News Podcast. I'm so excited to introduce our guest today, Bill Dallas, who is President of Finance of America Mortgage, a division of Finance of America Companies. Bill has had a storied career in mortgage and real estate. He's also the co-founder and board member of Cloud Verga and Chairman of Dallas Capital Management. Bill, we're thrilled to have you on Housing News. Sarah, this is exciting to be back with you again. This is this will be fun. I'm I'm really I really enjoy it. I enjoy what you guys do. So thank you for having me. We love having you. You know, the last time I think you were on the housing news was in January of 2020. Ooh. I mean, you know, just Ooh. a few things have changed. Nothing's changed. <laughs> <laughs> like we just need to redo that podcast. Just just redo it. Um, uh, it's crazy. One one of the biggest factors when we look at the origination volume last year and even the first half of this year, you know, one of the biggest things that's changed since then is is the historically low mortgage rates that we have. So are, are you surprised they're still so low? You know, great uh, start, right? Wow. I mean, so many things have changed. You know, I was thinking you don't even want to go through them. We went public, right, in the middle of all of this. Um, but you have new president, vaccines booming real estate prices, uh, working from home, yes, <clears throat> hybrid, wherever, and yes, low interest rates. And, you know, I, I, I'm not surprised by low interest rates. I'm, I've got a friend, Kevin Warsh, who used to be a Fed governor, and he served from the Fed from 06 to 2011. He's worked for several presidents. <clears throat> and so, you know, I sort of follow certain people to get my strategy. Right. One of them is what do I think is going to happen to interest rates? So what he said to me, I will, I, that was telling, and he said this a couple of years ago, which was, you know, if there are so many countries around the world that have zero interest rates, right today, and negative interest rates: Switzerland, Denmark, Spain, uh, Sweden, the entire eurozone, Japan, right. So this is, and he said, if the U.S. was an island. The Fed could do whatever they wanted to do and raise rates. But he says, because we're not an island and because we're global, he said, by the way, with global pandemic, you got every government, every country in the world throwing the kitchen sink at trying to save their economy and economies are collapsing all over the place. Therefore, lowering rates is not going to happen. And everybody's got to stimulate their economy. So normalcy is going to be about lowering rates because they need to keep the country and the borrowers in, in a certain space. And you see that in the U.S. And so I asked him the question, what about deficit? What if we throw all this money at it? And he goes, look, deficits won't matter because our growth will outrun our debt. So interest rates dropping, really, I had actually told our folks that I thought, interest rates have about a 60-40 chance to go lower, not go up. Yet you see the MBA, you see everybody sort of forecast rates going up. Why? Well, that's what they do. I mean, in mortgage, you forecast if low rates go down, you know, uh, you go, oh, God, they can't stay down further. They got to go up. Well, I, I think that's somewhat counterintuitive. So my view of it is we, we're going to be in a low rate environment forever. How low? Hmm. I mean, could we go negative? Possibly. But I don't think, I think you've got an equal chance to go either way. Right. So I, what was uh, 
surprising was how fast the margin, the, the, the actual profit margin went to zero in mortgage, right? It was like, and it was exacerbated. A couple of lenders started fighting with each other in TPO and wholesale. And so they started beating the shit out of each other. And suddenly interest rates, just, interest rates were dropping. And so was margin, especially in the broker TPO channel. Right. So, you know, I think, I think it's a very interesting time, but at the end of the day, interest rates dropping didn't surprise me. Margin compression sort of did the speed in which it went from heavy margins in 2020 to very slim margins. I mean, probably by the Q2 of 2021, it was back to normal, right? Normal margins. Interesting, you know, that that change in interest rates, the margin compression, you know, just those things that you guys have to adjust to so quickly. I mean, on a diamond, now you're a publicly traded company. So so tell me about that. How does that how does that look um, since you guys have gone public? Like what what is that like? Well, it's funny because they because of what we just talked about, you know, the, the view of mortgage is the bloom is off the road. So you're going down the backside of the mountain, right? It's like, uh-oh. Uh, and I think so. most of the mortgage stocks have gotten hammered uh, pretty much. Uh, they're way off their highs, but <clears throat> that's just because people, I think, have mistaken the view of where we are. I actually don't think, I actually think we're in the beginning stages of something, not the ending of it, right? And you're sort of seeing that in the economic discussion that we're having about the economy in general uh, and starting it. And are we inflationary or are we not? Well, is, and is this a temporary thing? Well, obviously it's temporary, parts of it, right? Because we're throwing all this money at people and they've been in, a, been in the closet for the full year sitting in their house and they want to go out. They want to do something. So I think that part is probably um, confusing the the world. But I do think we're into a whole different set of in, an environment where we're global. Everything affects us, right? Not just you can't just look at what's happening in, in you know Conshohocken, Pennsylvania, or in Dallas, Texas. Right. You have to look at, OK, Afghanistan's probably got some effect on us. Right. So what what's going to happen? Right. And if you if you expand that view. Then I think you really get to a view of, OK, we are in the I think we are in the middle of a transformation in <clears throat> in America that we have never seen before. And I think it's going to affect it'll affect mortgage companies. And I don't think, you know, being a, you know, being a public mortgage company, you know, you just have, I mean, we have a ton of regulation and a bunch of crap <clears throat> that we have to do anyway uh, as, a, as a lender. Uh, some of it makes sense and we should do. Some of it is just piling on. Uh, at the end of the day, I think our view of it is that it, it's much more consumer centric than it's ever been. You've got some new things that have shown up that are important to the world, but also important to the regulatory environment, right? You've got ESG, right? You've got DEI, you've got, you've got affordable housing, which is always important. You've got homelessness. You've got some things that are really focused that if you, if you take them on their face, right? They're, they maybe aren't big things, um, but if you really are, if you're trying to help solve them, you could you could expand the entire strategy of your organization and the structure of it to make to make things happen, right? So I think it's a it's a it's a different world to some extent. You know, I can't speak to stock price or performance or different things. I'm just excited for finance of America, where we sit, I think we sit in, we're a very unique company and we haven't told the story yet. Right. So, uh, and that's why you play the game, right? That's why you play. That's why you compete. 
with others because I think that part I think is uh, we were a company of 20 plus acquisitions that um, when I got here, I, I think needed to find its one voice, its one culture. And the pandemic and the ability to uh, have everybody focused and concerned and wanting to listen gave our team, our leadership team, an opportunity to really shine, right? Because I've been there and done that. I've seen there, there was no fear. I'm very calm, right? When shit's happening and all this stuff is flying around, it's like, we've got this, right? We'll, we will survive. This is what we want to do. We need to change these guidelines. We need to do this. We need to move back. Having a communication gate, the first thing I said was, let's, let's begin, let's do two Zooms a day, right, with everybody. We have 3,000 people, a bunch of people. They're everywhere now. We don't even know where they are, right? Let's get them on, make it optional, but you can attend. And what we're going to do is we're going to give you a, a morning download, an evening download. And what's going to happen tomorrow? Maybe people were calm. Well, I, you know, I'd love to dig into uh, some of that that you just said, definitely the margin compression, like what, what is the plan there? How do you, how do you combat that? But also, you know, when you say that um, finance of America has the story that hasn't been told, tell us the story. That's what, that's what we're here talking about. So what, what do you think is a differentiator for you guys and, and how does that play out in this environment? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that's important, right, is I think business <clears throat> is really simple. We originate loans and we sell them to an investor. You'd think that, okay, how could it be complex? Well, you know, you've been doing it long enough to know that it's just painful. Um, and so I think the two things that, that I've always focused on are people and the complexity of the business. And so I try to demystify the business to our people so they really understand what we're trying to accomplish in a vision or a mission or a strategy or a differentiation. And <clears throat> that's not easy because everybody comes, I mean, we've had 20 acquisitions. So everybody came to Finance of America with, I love Pinnacle. I love Gateway. I love Skyline, right? It's like, so the one thing that we said was we've got to bring people together with a common view and a common really vision of who we are. And so what we, what I attempted to do was to start with really three things, right? It's, it's, and I used, and I've used them, you know, one fam, two X, tip of spear, right? And now I've added all in for this year. We're all in with the customer, but one fam, <clears throat> we're one family. We're not 50 different businesses. We have to speak with one voice. We have one set of employee base. We may be in reverse. We may be in fix and flip. We may have, you know, a lender services business, but we're one family, right? So what does that mean? And then 2X, it's all about technology. And you know me, uh, you've got to have a <clears throat> transformative experience for the consumer and you got to meet the consumer where they want to be, they want to be met. In, in terms of origination. So if they want to walk their stuff into a branch and hand it to a loan officer, they can do that. If they want to, if they want to upload their tax returns and they want to use a, one of our services to make sure we go get the information for them, fine. But our technology has to be an enabler for people to be able to do that. And we call that 2X. And so I called it 2X, T-W-O-X, and I integrated everything to it because I told my comport to each of the LOs was, I am going to double your volume. And not only did we double it, right? We quadrupled their volume with the same technology. So we were able to go from 5,000 people to 3,000 people and double our volume, right? Which is, <clears throat> and a lot of it is, it's great to have loans falling out of trees. With interest rates dropping, because you can, but you still have to get to the volume. You still have to close the loans and do all that. So two X. And tip of spear was basically call me back. Inside the organization, we have to be quick, efficient, 
nimble, focused on serving our customer who is the employee. The number one thing that I, I see in big companies is they start to act big, they get bureaucratic, and the next thing you know, nobody calls you back. <clears throat> and we, as you know, we're a business that it's designed on communication and closing on a certain date and time. And commitments have been made and people depend on those commitments. So you have to accelerate that inside the organization. And that's just by making sure that people know that speed to contact is the number one thing that happens. So those three things have been my constant reminder inside the company. And I just keep going to the body, you know, with everybody, uh, this is what we're doing. This is what it's about. And I have to be the first person. I'm very communicative. I stay with the same plan. I'm available 24 seven, 365, right? Personally. And a lot of that is just, you know, how I want people to roll who work for me and what I depend on and what's important to us. All in was this year, which is just like, okay, we're done with you guys talking about a relationship, but the whole industry really acts transactionally, right? <clears throat> we all talk about this consumer for life stuff, yet retention of the customer is terrible in our space, right? Some companies do it really well. We didn't. So we started retaining servicing. <clears throat> and we started retaining the customer relationship. And I built out a complete data-centric group so that we could understand our customer better and then be able to get at the customer. But those four things have kept us you know, pretty busy and hopping through, but I, it's very consistent. So interesting. You 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 said uh, several things there. Interesting that um, the promise of technology, which you know we've seen for how many years now, where it's like that's supposed to make you more profitable. It's supposed to make it easier, make it faster, make it um, hasn't always worked out that way. So interesting Never that you're has. looking looking to technology and saying you know we're able to do more with less. Um, tell me a little bit about that. How does that work uh, at Finance of America? Because that is the challenge. I mean. You've got tons of technology now. I'm not sure it's making that much of a difference in a lot of uh, companies. Yeah, I think transforming a the loan experience is maybe better said. Yeah, you know, right. So you have to remove friction, and there's a bunch of friction, right? So if you really think about it, it's really an odd business, right? We have we do we have one product, and we get it generally from one location, the government. We have a 30 year loan that we get from an agent. How can it be this complex, right? It just, it's not possible. So, right. but when you think about <clears throat> the law changes that have occurred coming out of 2008, the de- debundling of us and the appraisal, the intent to proceed. I mean, I'm just going to use words. The change of circumstance, right? Borrower changes the circumstance five or six times. You know what happens after every change of circumstance? got to redisclose. RESPA. RESPA was just a word before. Now it's actually a action, right? I've got to make sure that whatever I've quoted actually comes in within a certain tolerance. Every change of circumstance, I have to redisclose. I have three days to do that. I've got a certain time frame. Just think of, I mean, I don't think people really understand the complexity of the agency, agencies, uh, taking away 50 basis points and then giving it back to all of us in this adverse fee, right? I, I spent, we spent a full week <clears throat> as an organization just making sure that we had to redisclose all of these things. Where are the loans? What happens? How do we rediscover, right? It's like, holy shit. <clears throat> as we, and so the complexity is really in all the laws, the regulatory uh, I'm going to call it mosaic that, that sort of hits the process. Because the and then you look at the borrower. The borrower has materially changed. So and we haven't changed the guidelines in 50 years. So you've got borrowers who are getting multiple sources of income. Now they've been affected by a pandemic, so they've had this what I'm going to call this uh, interruptus of of income. And we've cut them off. 
we've added them back. We wanted to, I mean, if you look, I mean, we've changed the rule 50 times. So now what? But that's still most, not most, I would say many borrowers don't fit the guideline of a, I have just one job. Many people with the gig economy have multiple hustles. Most people do have different sources of income. All of that has changed. The other thing that's changed is the owner occupied, the house was built, the whole finance structure in America was built around an owner occupied home, right? To a principal occupant borrower. Right, generally male, right, who worked at a job and mom stayed home and had two kids and they lived in a cul de sac. And we right. called that sort of leave it to beaver, right? Yeah. Or, you know, you, that's nobody, right? Zero a person, right? Forget race, color, creed, religion, gender. I mean, we've got multiple issues. The other piece is that the house now has multiple uses, right? I have a roommate, right? I may have two roommates. I may bring my family back to live with me. My one kid, I can't get rid of, right? He just lives with me. He comes back three or four times. Every time he gets divorced or whatever happens to him, he comes back. I'm talking about somebody else's family, by the way. Um, and when you look at all those things, the home now, now you've got Airbnb. I was just going to say that that's a whole nother thing. You know, now, now it might be a source of income, even while you're living in it. It is a source of income. I mean, if you look at Silver Nest and some of the stuff that we see, so what's a senior need? We're, we dominate the, 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 I think the most profitable business in, in mortgage banking, we dominate. Nobody seems to care. That's reverse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nobody cares. I mean, we make that business, is, we are the dominant force. We have a, a jumbo product that's the only one in America. And you have all this discussion. But what have we found out about the, 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 the senior? Well, the senior doesn't need a payment, doesn't want one. They really don't understand the process. Most people don't have any money except it's what's in their house. And they want Revenue too. They have space. All their kids are gone. So we created Silver Nest, which is an algorithm and a whole business around providing tenants, right, to seniors because they need income. They have space. We use it. I mean, now you're seeing ADUs, garages, other things. Everybody is creating and working from home. So now you're going to work from home. You're going to live in your home. You're going to go to your home gym. Right. You're going to have a bunch of other people living in your house. Right. So how are we going to underwrite that? Right. So my view of that is. This is really where this is where the fun. This is where the fun begins. Right. So I think. So what is finance of America? We dominate the reverse business. We are in every channel in mortgage. We have a fix and flip business. Right. We have a services business. Right. And we have a securitization business. We're the only company that I know of that's public that does all those things and does them well. So we have five streams of income. So when they talk about mortgage and us being agency mortgage, yeah, we do agency mortgages because <clears throat> that's where customers come from, some of them. But we dominate non agency. We dominate non-mortgage services, right? Because we need those revenues to continue to grow to balance us when mortgage tips like it does, right? When interest rates go up, that's the story, right? So my job, what do we, we sort of though, I think the other piece of it is we sort of look, I don't know, at mortgage companies just look old, right? So when you start thinking about what makes it, um, more modern, I think technology, right, makes it more modern. I think the approach of how, I mean, you look at SoFi or you look at other ways of, I mean, now I'm going to take 
I'll take the another industry, Robinhood, and the individual investor versus Goldman Sachs. Right. Okay, Robinhood doesn't make any money, and Goldman Sachs prints money, right? So, why is this company worth forty billion dollars, and this company, right? And you see that in cars, right? Tesla's worth a ton, and and doesn't really sell any car. I mean, so you're seeing that in, and I think the transformation in mortgage is about staying connected, acquiring customers in a frictionless way. And unfortunately in mortgage, we acquire them the old fashioned way. We sort of, we like dig holes in the ground. We have loan <laughs> officers who are out there with shovels, right? And we dig up the customer, it costs a fortune. And we have this little nugget. We, we found gold. And that's going to change. I mean, it's I, going I, to change. It's going okay. to change fast. I want to dig deep on that to, to go with your digging analogy. So, you know, so now, uh, you know, with with most people having refied in the last year, um, you know, very few people still still left out there. You've got the the purchase borrowers is more important than ever. So so how are you guys finding that? How has that changed? How has the customer experience changed for them? What are they looking for? Like, how is this? What yeah. does this new look like? Well, I think that's, you know, it's a loaded, right, question. So you got like the, you can't go prepare for purchase. You have to be built prepared for it. And as you know, I mean, I basically built two purchase centric. I mean, I both First Franklin and Own It, that's all we did was 100% purchase. We did not do a refinance, right? So to do that, you, and so I had to take Finance of America and sort of, make sure since we do all of this how do you make sure that you're really focused on it right so that's first right so and i use there's probably three things that i would say that if you want to make sure that your business can handle and you're ready as a purchase shop there's there's three cardinal rules right that i use right one is don't miss the closing ever you moron right if you miss it you die Right. You'll never work in this town again. Prioritize purchase and underwriting. Right. You can you can use different codes. You can use different colors. I mean, at first, Franklin, I had everything was a purple file. If it was a purchase. And then we started with the date and worked our way backwards. Third is you have to today provide full uh, approval qualifications up front. Right. For the customer to buy a home. You can't do a prequal. Right. And then I think if you move to current stuff that I think you see people doing, make the appraisal go away or make it frictionless. Who cares if you're putting next money down, um, make the inspect people eliminating inspections and doing some things. There's some things you just have to be careful of, but those three or four get you to, I think, being a purchase shop. And if you're doing 75% of your business in refi, how do you do that? How do you probably... How do you do the things that I just said? On the flip side, the other question you had is, okay, what's changed? Well, the major difference in my view is in one word, search, right? So the democratization of the MLS is basically taking the realtor from the fr driving the car, and putting them in the back of the bus, right? And they're sitting back there and now suddenly everybody can see the MLS. Everybody's got a search app. If I checked your phone right now, I bet you have three search apps or two, maybe one. But you're you are, and when you drive by a house, what do you do? You know, everybody's Sweet. going, who's got it sold? What's it listed for? So, and the problem with that is the ability for folks to constantly look on their own has changed purchase forever. So if our job was to, when they searched and the realtor gave us a referral, and then we dug the hole and we did all the things that us little mortgage people do, that baby is over. And yet we still do it. So what do we tell our, we have all these minor, I call them minors, right? They're loan advisors. <laughs> they got these little hats with the little lights and they're down in a cell. And we try to tell our loan advisors. That, that you are like a minor, you are, you are about to be irrelevant unless you change. And we're here to help you change. And we're here to make, because we also think that the advisor 
the home purchase is such a big decision that they that people will want an expert to help them. They want the advisor to help. Them. So how do you do both? Well, if search has been democratized, then you've got to figure out how you get in the middle of that game, whether it's a mobile app that you're using, everybody's interested in their equity. So how do you do that, right? In valuation. So the other piece of that is we tell our miners that they have to actually mine deeper, right? You can't just go to the realtor. We call that the trusted advisor network, the TAN. You know, it's got to be, if, if it's got to be an accountant, a CPA, a lawyer, a builder, financial planners, you know, corps and businesses. I mean, you've got to have, direct consumer events. You could buy leads. You could do a bunch of things to get your base growing and your brand developing. Our job is to help them brand themselves and then allow our brand to sit on top as something that's advantageous to them. And so, and we think it's important to do, but at the end of the day, we're taking a old, I mean, if you think about it, we're taking the old industry of fossil fuels and coal and turning it into batteries and edginess that you're seeing in every other industry. Mortgage people just don't see it, right? It's a, it's, it's a, it's a real evolution and evolutions. I mean, I, I liken it to words in real estate, right? You have accretion that occurs by addition of property. You see that in molten lava and different things, right? When, that when you go to Hawaii or you see new land being built, and then you see basically the what I'm going to call the, the all the property slipping into the river, uh, and that's just the same, right? We are we are doing both at the same time. And here's a brief word from our sponsor. The Origins Mortgage Platform is a fully integrated digital solution that covers the entire lending life cycle from application to closing. With Origins, you'll have access to client configurable workflows and next level automation. Use Origins to replace your POS, LOS, and CRM mortgage staff with one single platform. Are using our modular capabilities? Integrate Origins anywhere in your tech stack where you need to make the biggest impact on your lending. Visit www.origins.com slash housingwire for more details. That's O-R-I-G-E-N-C-E dot com forward slash housingwire for details. I think it's interesting that you brought up the fact that, you know, there's transaction and then there's relationship. And interestingly, as, as important as all that tech is to get you to the customer, to get the customer to you, once you have that customer, I think what what is is so evident is like who treats the customer great as a trusted advisor? Who can they really go to, yeah. especially in this environment over the last year or whatever? Um, and even like how how hot housing markets have been. If if you're if it's just a transaction, why? How do you win that customer? You know, even if they come to you. Yeah, it's not a. That's probably the the secret sauce, right? How do you not only do you win the customer and most people in our space, you know, you, you've got, okay, the traditional stuff, price, I have the best price, or I offer great service. <laughs> I mean, I think Walmart's proven, I think everybody's proven, you got to have a low price always, and you've got to have decent service, right. Uh, right? What is good service? I don't know. I mean, call me back, uh, close on time. I mean, in any other business, there are there are SLAs, the service level agreements that you have to have. I actually think you have to have an SLA that you work toward with the customer so they understand exactly what they're going to get, right? And then you've got to open it up to the customer so that they can get it any way they want, right? And to a loan officer, that means if I have to go get it, great. If I do it on Zoom, great. If they want to upload it, great. If they want to do it themselves, great. Now, obviously, you're doing less work, more work. How do we compensate them? The problem with the business is compensation. 
right? Because people do what they're compensated to do. Right. And so we compensate them all to do what? Originate and lock alone. They all get paid on, a, on the origination and locking and closing of a loan. In fact, it's a little unbundled in loans today because the business, get, they get paid on funding and we actually uh, get paid on lock. Right. So you've got somewhat of a change going on in the business itself. My view is that you have to change. We have to change compensation. And you have to do that within the confines of uh, everything, every law, because compensation laws in RESPA, not only in mortgage itself, have been punitive and don't make any sense, really, to me, uh, because we sell other products. We, we have to be, in any other business, products aren't equal, right? And I think then you've got other services and other things you want to do. But if you want to go past the transaction and you want to have a relationship, then how do I get paid on a relationship? Because right. if I don't get paid on a relationship, what, what am I doing? <laughs> right. And if, and if you're compensating someone to to uh, originate and lock a loan or originate a loan, you get, I mean, where how, the fastest they can do that, that doesn't really lead to relationships necessarily, right? So it, it uh, isn't at all. It is transaction. It's a, right? it's I think by great. definition, we have, we talk out of both sides of our mouth as mortgage people because we talk relationally, but we act transactionally. And I've always said that, that it's like, doesn't to me, and people do what they're compensated to do. So one of the things that we're building at Finance of America is a scorecard, right? So we've built a scorecard. I did it a little bit at Skyline before. I've always had one where all my loan officers are not equal. Let's be honest, right? If I got a couple thousand LOs, you got some, like a, I always say it's like a hair salon meeting a daycare, right? It's like, it's a, it's a management uh, issue. The other piece of that is most of your managers are producers. So now you've got player coaches who are trying to manage. They're not good managers. They're great originators. So how do you do that? That's complicated. And then you've got this structure of, I get all my money at closing. Okay, so what we're doing is we're starting to say there's behaviors and things that we measure. And there's things that you do well, and we're going to pay you all of this up here, but we're going to hold some of it back, right? Or add some to it, right? So that you, A, stay with me and stay with the company. So it's deferred. And because we're public, some of it could be stock. But ultimately, it's for good behavior. I want you to sell other products. I want you to make sure you close on time. I want to make sure that you have all your surveys are extraordinary. I want to make sure that you treat Sarah and Elisa and everybody else with respect in the organization, right? You don't trample everybody that you talk to in the company to get something done. And so we, we have these scorecards that we build. And then there's probably, I want X volume here, Y volume there, Z volume. So we're starting down that path where we now figure out, okay, is that a, 20 basis point addition to their compensation. The other piece is I'm sure if, if I wanted to, if I, I personally would say, why don't you stay connected to your customer and make sure they make the payment? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that, yeah. I've never heard that one before. I had a product that owned it and first Franklin that, that paid the consumer that, that paid the bar, the borrower back money to stay current and uh, we could pay our LO in segments or our account exec in segments, right? Not just up front. So make sure they pay, make sure they pay on time each year. The longer they stay with us, the more they could get paid. And then if you got the loan again, when they came back, ooh, that was like, Nirvana, right? Now you hit the <laughs> woo, you start. So I think thinking about, and that's not tech, like you were saying, it's not technology. It's doing, 
It's incentivizing and doing the right things inside the organization so that your organization does what you want it to do, which is act relationally, right? It's very hard, but it's very hard to do. There's no, we have, I, there's no reward programs in mortgage. Right. Right. It's such an interesting thing. And like you said, <laughs> actually being, you know, being public does give you, uh, you know, that another lever to pull when it comes to compensation, because you yeah. know, that's a, that's a great thing. Um, I, I want to ask you, you've, you've been doing this for a while. What do you love about running a mortgage company? <laughs> what do you love about it? Why are you doing it still? What, what do you love? Uh, you know, it's, it's a great question, right? I think I love the people. I love three things. I love the people. I love I love people. And I I mean they drive me nuts, but at the same time I just love working with people. I love the complexity of it. It's a highly a very simple business, but it's highly complex and it's never changed. It, it it's ever changing. It never changes and then suddenly it's like, wow. I mean, just when I thought you hadn't I'd seen everything, we have a global pandemic, right? It's like, whoa, right? And then I think probably what keeps me at it is it's the only business that you could actually, um, I could invest in and do and help people do at the same time, right? It's So what I've found that I, I love real estate and I know that it's transformational to families and helping people get a home, there's nothing like it. Right. It solves. I, in my view, it is it should be embedded in the Constitution of the United States because it is the it is the country's secret sauce to I mean, you look at diversity, equity and inclusion. Right. Let's just take DEI for a second. Uh, the sooner you own a home, the more equal we are. Right. If you're a sink, yeah. I mean. You've, you've got, you've got weight and it doesn't, it doesn't, the house does not look at you, whether you are married, you're single, you know, any of those things, it doesn't matter. It doesn't see color, it, it, but getting in fast. So one of the things I do with my kids is I just, you know, we get them into a home, help them acquire. Why? And, you know, it's, it's a responsibility, right? They don't, they have, Mode yard, right? <laughs> they haven't they haven't figured out how to shovel snow, right? Uh, like today, my kids call. Okay, Dad, downstairs we've got a leak from it's raining like bejesus in Minneapolis, and I've got a leak, and it's coming through the light. Okay, I mean, all that stuff comes with it, but it does teach responsibility. It also equity. You go through periods like this where home prices go like this. I mean, home prices always go up right over time. So I think it is those three things. I mean, and I personally, it's, it's, uh, it's been life changing. It's also, I had zero idea. I mean, I went to law school, right? I had no, I was an athlete and went to law school. I had no idea what I went. <laughs> I did, and then when I was in law school, I figured out I don't want to be a lawyer, right? So, what do you mean? It, and so I think we do a very bad job in mortgage attracting people like Alyssa. I mean, she's coming out of you know a, a small college in Texas. Does she, does she even think about mortgage or mortgage services? Right? It's probably. 60, 40 women to men. And it's basically, you know, zero. I mean, if you are good at it, you can advance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, you and know, you're paid you, well. You are paid, paid well. well. It, it's interesting that you said, because one of my questions is, um, I know that you love real estate. You're an investor to this day. You, you still buy real estate. So tell me what it's been like, you know, uh, from your perspective in the, in the last year, buying in these uh, different hot markets, like uh, how, how does that make you feel as an investor? Have you decided to jump in? Have you jumped in or are you, are you sitting it out? What are you doing? Yeah, it's funny because I think, so two strategies, we jumped in with both feet and we figured that it, the most, and we jumped into markets 
that we we jumped into markets that were ancillary. So we don't jump into Phoenix, right, or to LA, right? And mm-hmm. so, so I think what you do, so I actually moved, we did over 15, my wife and I purchased, sold 15 properties uh, through from January of 2020. Wow. And not some are flipped, some we owned before, some we just, so we sort of moved out of California, moved our residence to Vegas. We bought a bunch of property that here in, in Grand Rapids, Minnesota, right? That, that we knew and we looked at on the lake, which is you know the, the premier property. You move to other locations, right? Where you have properties and different things. I think what you're seeing in America is, and I use the Southwest, uh, analogy that you're free to move about the country, right? So I think what you're going to see is instead of everybody aggregating in the city structure, you're going to see people go all over the place and they will find the places that they want to live, right? So if you think of the big move, it's probably the Sunbelt state losing to the inner mountain state. And Texas, like you can go to Austin, but you know, you can't get a house. And I mean, you yeah. could have, you could have said in Austin, uh, probably I was there when we had the, the MBA was there a few years ago. I said, then you, you're never going to be able to afford Austin right now. Right. It's it's going to go the way that San Jose went when I was there, which is it's tech. Woo. Right. Everybody runs in and then, then it isn't right. But you have, you're the state capital. You have a massive university, you have a river, right? And you, you have, do have a great river, yes. And you have space. Yeah. Now you're you're having less. So I think what you're going to see is you're going to see investors. Personally, it's one of our businesses too. Our FACO business uh, is a fix and we power investors, and we and we power them to flip. One of the macro themes that we see in America. And we have for a long time, which is why we're in that business, is that the owner-occupied structure is becoming non-owner. Yeah, always look at the mortgage business. About 20, 25% of our originations this year are non-owner-occupied. It's historic. You see 15% of all originations of, of, of our 15% of the Available single-family homes have been taken off the market and purchased by hedge funds, right? So you wonder why there's an inventory problem. Well, you take 15% away, you then start moving people into non-owner-occupied. So I think you're seeing this. And so what's going to happen is you're going to see people move to, I think, I, I think, if I could tell you what I think the nugget is. I think the nugget is small, relatively small cities with a college that isn't going to go bankrupt, the college. And a lot of colleges are going to go down the crap, right? Just because they can't afford it. So you have to be, has to be a good college town, right? Because you need that vibrance and that employer base, right? To be there. And I think people are searching those out. And a lot of parents sending their kids to those colleges have already started buying condos and different things in those areas. Uh, We send from Oaks Christian uh, in California, the uh, Christian school that we started years ago, we have about 1,500 students a year. So you have, I'm sorry, 1,500 students total, but you have three or 400. A lot of our students would go to Texas. I think I think we sort of fit the politic of Texas. So you saw people going to SMU, Baylor, TCU, predominantly. And then we'd see our parents sort of invade those areas to try to buy houses alongside their kids while they were there, right? And different things. But I think I think you're gonna see that. And you don't I mean I always used to you don't wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. I mean, it's proven. You try to buy low and sell high, but that's not really, I mean, it's always going to be high, right? Home prices are always going to go like this. They may dip a little bit. So 
what your, your strategy needs to be, you need to sell when you want to sell and buy when you want to buy. And what happens is most people do it, they sell when they have to sell and they buy when they have to buy. And that, those are not good timing. So you have to figure out yourself how you can sort of do it in an opposite way. And we're lucky enough to have been doing it for a lifetime, right? So, you know, it, it's not easy to get started. So my view with my kids, push them out the door and get them into a house and teach them responsibility, pick up the acorns, have people come over, stuff doesn't work, right? All the stuff <laughs> happens because it makes them understand, but the houses go up in value. They have real assets, right? And they can now begin to figure out their next move. Now, yeah, they no, keep the that's, house. That, that's such a great strategy. I love that. My, uh, my son uh, bought in Austin three years ago, just sold his house in Austin for double what he paid. And now he's moving to Tulsa where he can buy his house and get like two other rent houses, uh, buy two other houses to rent out. And I'm like, what a great strategy, you know? <laughs> no, it's a, in Tulsa, you know, our, our servicing center for reverses in Tulsa. <clears throat> and Tulsa also is a town, major college, yeah. right? They also have spent a bunch of money in attracting talent to Tulsa, but it's a, it's, it's a perfect example of a smaller town that sort of fits that bill right, where you can actually go. And then you just have to be able to work. Well, now you can probably keep your old job, work from home, do the things that you want to do. It's all good, right? Yeah, no, no. And I mean, that's what they're, he's going there on their remote program where they're paying him to move there. So, I mean, win-win on that one. So yeah, smarter than me, that one is. Um, Well, I have one last question that I'd love to ask you. and, And that's like, you talked about over the last year, all the challenges. What did you learn as a leader over the last year that you didn't know before? Well, I think overall, uh, what I learned, I, I learned that I, I had before underestimated the value of communication. Um, I, I sometimes could leave a swath of lack of clarity behind me by talking about the future and people are living in the present. Uh, Great point. And so what I've learned more than anything is to demure the future and, and focus on their present. But I'm, I'm also the locomotive, right? So I'm the engine. If you're the caboose, then I got to pull you through the tunnel. So how do I do that? without freaking you out because you're in the dark, in the caboose, in the back of a train, right? <laughs> and, and so what I learned is that, is that, hmm, and it's important to make sure that, that you are clear. Uh, and so how do you do that? We did it by twice a day Zooms. I also took, I hate meetings. I mean, the good thing is I, I, I just think meetings just suck the life out of people. So we went to quick huddles and we told people, look, have a 20 minute huddle in the morning, have a 20 minute huddle at the end of the day. You can have people on Zoom, they can come and go as they want. Uh, We use task forces to get more involvement from people, right? Into, look, guys, we're suffering. We don't understand this totally. Could you help us do this? Right. And got them involved in it. And so I think it was really it, it changed the way we uh, we were viewed, but it also changed the gate of which we communicated. And I kept my me- I, I kept my message simple. And I kept communicating it. And yet at the same time, you know, I had to pick big enough message that they believed it. And, and so the relevance of the minor, right, uh, or I'm a loan officer who, you know, I'm just going to keep going into the mine every day until I die of something, uh, has to be they believe it. Some do, some don't. But my view is that our, I actually believe that what you do is important. Being a minor is not the job. 
The job is helping people make good decisions as they make these life events. So how do we build people that could do that? And you're going to do twice the volume. So you don't have to be focused on doing one loan a month to try to get all your income from. And then we have to give you a broad uh, product queue so that you can be agency or non-agency. Because if you, I mean, where we're going is uh, a world that's much different than what we see today. And I, and I don't think people actually think about it, right? They just wake up and go do all these loans and they just think this is going to continue. Well, the transformation is, is well upon us. It just is a, it's just the, the process is such an evolution that you just wake up. You're going to wake up one day and go, oh my, right? And I want them to just know that we're focused on that for them and that we can help them in that transformation by developing new ways to maintain digital relationships with customers, expand our role. I mean, you have to expand the role beyond manufacturing, selling the loan to the agency. Right. I mean, right. We have two businesses today. We're doing this for you right now. If we use our services and we use these things and we can help the consumer do this, we can sell them other products. We can stay connected to them and we can, we can, we can make it easier. And I just think, and there won't be this, you know, it's going to continue to thin out, right. Our business. And, you know, it's funny because it was, you know, we keep talking about, and you, you get a kick out of it because the relevance of the broker or the loan off and who I work for and who's winning. I, I've always said that it, what's interesting is, if I, is that most consumers don't want anybody between them and the money. I mean, you don't go to a car dealership just dying to talk to the salesperson. Right, you want right. to get that's to the finance the person and buy that. Once you've decided you want to buy the car, uh, and you know, I don't want to talk to this guy ever again or gal. So it's like, I think that's the way to think about it, right? Is, is we are in this transformation and you have digital, AI, blockchain, all these cool technologies. We don't use any of them. Shit, we can barely find our stuff. We can barely use OCR technology and find our documents. So how do we transform that, right? And it is, you have to build, uh, you have to build data sets. You have to build data people to use the data. You have to acquire more customers in a cheaper way, right? I mean, the cost of acquisition to most of these companies, I mean, if, you are, if you're Robinhood, they basically use a zero cost. We are not going to charge the customer anything. Right. Well, you know, in mortgage, you know how much we charge a customer per loan on average? $10,000 to get a loan. That's zero to 10000 So when you're thinking about, ooh, <laughs> what's going to happen? That's going to happen. Right, because you're not going to be able to charge a customer ten thousand dollars. So all this cost that's involved in making this ten thousand dollars loan, what's it? Where's it got to go? It's got to go away. Got to find a cheaper, easier, and but still better for the customer. You do, because the customer is going to continue to demand that. So that I don't like. I use the word innovation is too small. Right, it's it's a transformation of the loan process, so that a customer you can acquire customers faster, better, quicker, sell them more product, and do it and already have them pre-approved. Because I'm not going to stand in line and wait for you to sort of see who I am. I'm so tired of going to my bank. I've been at my bank forever, and every time I go there, they say, "And you are? <laughs> can you give me all your stuff?" And I'm going. Look, if you ask me this question one more time, I'm going anywhere other than here. And I think I'm, it's, we're sort of like that, 
we're getting there. And I just, I don't want to freak folks out, but I think it, it, you're in the middle of it. And this has been sort of generally speaking. So how do you know where we are, right? Well, one of the things that, that most people tell you about transformation is that you generally are making the most money ever right before it ends. What a what a and, great uh, that, that's and, a great and I use a book. I, I if you want to one of the books, if I have it here, yeah, one of the books that I had people read was an old one. I think I do have it. I'll grab is called uh, Blown to Bits, and it was a story story of Encyclopedia Britannica. And I'm not going to go through it, right? But it's a it's a good one, right? Because you're my parents, shoot, we had salespeople come to the house, knock what? on the door and sell us these books. We, we had my them mom, in the house, loved it. My mom would freak because she could not say no. She was an English teacher. So all she wanted to do was, I mean, we kept buying encyclopedias and she just couldn't say no to these guys. And so, but when you think about it, what killed it? Well. You go to, I mean, you look at Wikipedia, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're getting, if, if you watch the Super Bowl and you watch a major game and the game is over, right? Wikipedia is updated that second everywhere. Yeah. It says, who's the MVP? Who did what? What I mean? It's like, it, it's like a, a bunch of termites going <laughs> at data to give it to us in the way that we want it. So I don't know, mortgage is sort of at the, I think it, at its tipping point, <clears throat> I'm not sure whether that freaks out people or not. To me, it's an opportunity to, to try to build, you know, what I'm gonna call our, our, our assets into the future. I think that's the way to do it rather than try to declare war on it. Like, it's, I'm going to disrupt it. I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to start over and do it this way. Nah, I still think you need customers. I still think you need to do the things that we do. I think you're just going to need to do them in a, a more efficient and transformative way so that we can maintain this digital relationship by connecting the loans to the cloud, to AI, to blockchain, to MERS, to actually, I would just like to be able to have, you gave me a bunch of data on my old loan. Before I talk to you, I basically have updated all that data and keep you in a constant state of underwriting where I am constantly updating your stuff, FICO score, income, different things. And I know you, I know where your house is. I know that, you know, we sort of make it sound like and you are right and every like, single time i i'm gonna i mean it's not we can't sustain that right so i think that's the future and it's not innovation it's transformation and how you transform it is going to be uh there's going to be winners and losers and you know i think we can i think finance of america should be a winner and so we want to try to figure out how we help and how we drive that to the organization in a very you know you're in business today and you run a business so you have to be very um employee centric and you have to be in, in my view of that is you're just very truthful with your employee base about what we're doing and, and we try to be consistent and we try to be, you know, think like I'm an employee. I want to think like I have five kids. I want to know, I, I want to think exactly like my employee and all my policies and procedures and everything that we do have to fit that. Because if it's obtuse, people go someplace else. No, it's a, it's such a great point. I love the the discussion on the transformation of this industry and not just the disruption, not just a a new phase, but really a whole new, it's it's going to look totally different. And, and I've enjoyed this conversation so much, Bill. 
learn so much every time we talk and uh, so appreciate you coming on Housing News and, and sharing that wisdom and really just being, you know, really transparent about, about what you've learned, what that looks like for your company and what you guys are doing. I love it and, and appreciate it. No, and I appreciate, Sarah, all that you guys do. I know it's a tough job, you know, uh, sort of reporting on all of us wacky people. Uh, it's but a you great guys job. Do it. It's a great I, job because of this transformation. It's super interesting. You guys keep it interesting for us. Let me tell you. <laughs> it's, it's true. No, well, I appreciate you. you and all you guys do. So thank you so much for having us on. At Sidus AMC, we're proud to partner with the most respected brands in the industry to help them identify and capture opportunities across the life cycle of their real estate finance activity. From origination support to new and seasoned loan underwriting to valuations and brokerage services and everything in between, we're leveraging innovative technologies and expert-led services to help build more efficient, effective, and agile businesses. So whatever your opportunity might be, Citus AMC is here to help you realize it. To learn more, visit our website at citusamc.com slash housingwire. Thank you for listening to the Housing News Podcast. Please don't forget to give us feedback and rate us on iTunes. Until our next episode, make sure to check out Housing Wire Daily, a podcast dedicated to the hottest news stories across HW Media. The podcast is published each day and is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.